listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. And tonight, as you saw the uh, title of the broadcast, the description, I'm talking about the mystery of the anointing oil. It is the mystery of the anointing oil. Did you know that the kingdom of God is based upon mysteries? The kingdom of God, and if you're watching, put that in the comments. The kingdom of God is based upon mysteries. The things that we believe, that we receive, can't be received by those that are in this world because they don't understand these things. To them, they're mysteries. Listen to um, listen to what the Bible says. Hey, Danielle, good to see you. Love you, Ted Nashley. Listen to this. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4 and verse 11, listen to this. And he was saying to them, that's Jesus, and he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside get everything in parables. So for those of us that are in the kingdom, the mysteries of the kingdom have been revealed to us through faith. However, he was saying to those that are outside, they receive these things in parables. That's why even sometimes that the disciples would have to ask the Lord, what did he mean by the parables? Or sometimes he would have to explain the parables. For example, here in Mark chapter four, the parable of the sower. And this is shown in other of the synoptic gospels as well. But he explains what the different types of ground mean in the parable of the sower. You know, the thorny ground, the good ground, the rocky ground. He explains the footpath, what they are, what they mean, and how to navigate these parables. The the mysteries are reserved for us that are in the kingdom. For example, let me uh, let me give you give me give you some things here that we're talking about. Prayer cloths. Acts chapter 19. Handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from the body of Paul when they were laid upon the sick or the diseased or the demon possessed, they were healed and delivered. That's a mystery to those outside of the kingdom. How in the world can you take a piece of cloth that was prayed over and expect it to make any change in a, a, a physical body that's sick or diseased, or if they even believe in demon possession, how can you believe for the, uh, the, the deliverance of a person who's demon possessed just by letting, laying a piece of cloth on them? That's a mystery. That's a kingdom mystery. The anointing of prayer cloths. How can that happen? How does that work? Why would you be able to believe that if you touch somebody with your hand, if you lay hands on them, Why would you expect them to be healed? You know, the world can't understand that. Why would you expect that? It's a mystery of the kingdom. I'll give you another one. The world would believe, like, if you want to have more, then you've got to hoard or keep or save. That's that's the way the world does things. If you want to have more, you've got to hoard or keep or save. God's kingdom says, if you want to have more, then you've got to give away. For it is the harvest that comes back to you that creates the more that is actually stimulated by the seed that you sow. It's a mystery. It doesn't seem like that 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 should work. It's almost like a paradox. It doesn't seem like it should work that way to the world, but that's how God's system works. What did Jesus say to his disciples? He, you know, they were all vying for position. We want to be the greatest. We want to sit at your own right hand and all that. 
What did Jesus say? The one who's going to be the greatest among you has to become your servant. And so in, in God's kingdom, it's a mystery, but in order to go up, you've got to go down. You've got to become a servant. You've got to be humble. Why? Because God exalts the humble. He gives them more favor, more glory, the Bible says. But prideful people are torn down. So those that are trying to go up will actually go down, and those that are trying to go down will actually go up. It's a mystery. It's a kingdom mystery the way God's kingdom and system works. And that's why I titled this the mystery of the anointing oil. Because even faith itself is a mystery. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, but it is the evidence of things that are not yet seen. The Amplified Bible calls it the title deed. It says that faith is the title deed of things that are not even seen yet. Well, why is that important? Because faith doesn't say, I'll have it when I see it. Faith says, I have it even if I don't see it yet, it's already mine. That's what faith says. Faith does not wait until it holds it in its hand to say it's mine. If you even can't see it in the supernatural or in the natural realm, you already know by faith in the supernatural, it's already mine. I don't have to see it to praise God for it. I don't have to see it to thank God for it. Once I pray, it's done. It's mine. That's a mystery. The world would say, well, you're crazy. Why would you believe that it's yours if it's not here? Why would you believe that it's yours? If, why do I believe it? Because God already said it, and I believe that what the things that he said over what I see. The kingdom is made on, built on mysteries. It's built on mysteries. And one of those mysteries, as we're talking about the spirit of faith that I'm going to share with you tonight, is the mystery of the anointing oil. And Troy, Keep your pants on. I'm going to get to it. He's asked four times. I'm going to talk to you about the anointing. what the broadcast is about. Get ready and receive it. Take notes. Uh, it's important that you understand the mystery of the anointing oil. It's not just something in the Old Testament. It's something we see in the New Testament. And so I'm going to take time to teach, teach on this now because it's so important as we're dealing with this spirit of faith series that we're dealing with. Spirit of faith. A spirit of faith utilizes the tools of that are in God's word. The spirit of faith utilizes the tools that are in God's word. And one of those tools given to us by God is the tool of the anointing oil. And that's what we're dealing with tonight. Good to see Lawenda. Love you. Good to have you on. And so we're dealing with that, the tool of the anointing oil. This is something that was established by God all the way back in the book of Exodus. And I want you to turn there with me. It's where I'm starting. If you didn't get a chance yet to share the broadcast, please do me a favor and share it. It'll help. It'll get the word out. People need to hear this because people need miracles. They need breakthroughs, especially right now. They're believing for increase in their lives and they need this. And so take a minute. It'll help get the word out. The Bible says that when God begins to, to, to teach and speak, the Lord said these things to Moses. Now, this is found in Exodus chapter 30. And I'll start reading with verse 22. And at the time, he's just teaching him how uh, he wanted the anointing oil made. And I want you to see this now. It's also, I, I want to say this before I read it, because when I read it, you're going to hear me talk about, uh, uh, and I may not even do it because um, 
you'll hear me talk about ingredients. Of course, God gave ingredients to Moses on how to create the anointing oil. But the ingredients themselves do not carry any healing power. You know, and I'll read it to you, but the, the it's not the ingredients. It was Moses' obedience to do the things that God said. That's faith. Faith obeys the instructions of God. And so Moses obeyed uh, the instructions uh, of how to create the anointing oil and then used it the way God said to use it. Look at this. Verse 22, the Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and a sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that's 250, and 250 of aromatic cane, 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hint of olive oil, and you shall make these a sacred anointing oil, blended as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it, you shall anoint the tent of meeting, and the ark of the testimony, or the ark of the covenant, and the table and all its utensils, and the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand. Now, I want you to look at verse 29 with me. Very important. Look at this. You shall consecrate them and make them, or that they must that they may be most holy. And whatever touches them will also become holy. Whatever touches them will also become holy. So the first purpose that we see of the anointing oil tonight is the purpose of consecration, of consecration, to set that thing apart as holy, to set it apart as holy. Number one, the first use or purpose of the anointing oil in scripture is to consecrate something. That's why they anointed the temple. It's why they anointed... Uh, the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant, the table and its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, the altar, all of those things which were going to be used by God or set aside by God, they were anointed with oil. That's God's purpose. He said, anoint them with oil and they shall be consecrated and set apart as holy. Watch this. And whatever touches them, whatever touches them will also become set apart, consecrated, and holy. And I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. I believe in this. I very much believe in this to the point where uh, I've done it every place I've ever lived, any place before I was married and after I was married, um, we'll come in. If I, get, if I had gotten an apartment when I was younger, bought a house, whatever it is, I'll get the anointing oil out and I will go around and literally anoint my house. I've anointed my house. We say, what, you, what in the world are you talking about? On the outside and in, <clears throat> I've gone out by faith and anointed my home with oil. What am, what am I doing? I'm doing the same thing that they did in Exodus chapter 30. I'm consecrating this home and setting this home apart as holy. Setting it apart as holy. What am I trying to say? I'm saying that what... What the Bible says in verse 29, and whatever touches it will become holy. So uh, what am I doing? I'm giving this house to God in this covenant. I'm anointing it. I'm saying, God, this is going to be a house where your spirit is welcome. This is going to be a house where your spirit dwells. This is going to be a house where healing flows. This is going to be a house of peace. 
This is going to be a house of joy. This is going to be a house where there's no marital issues, problems, stress, fighting, bickering, complaining, moaning. No, no. That's right. Candace said, if I buy a car, I anoint it before it leaves the lot. And people say, oh, you guys are crazy. You guys are crazy. You can call it what you want. But the Bible says that they did it then to the tent, to the table, to the ark, to the utensils, and whatever touched them also became holy and set apart. And so we've seen it happen. We've seen the anointing of God in our home move because of the anointing that we've given the house to God. And I, we've had people, Carolyn could give you the same testimonies, that we've had people come to our house weeping and crying. They need counseling. They need comforting. They'll come in depressed, anxious, you know, whatever, sad, angry. Come into our home, sit down with us on the couch, and less than 20 minutes, <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, less than 20 minutes, probably 15 minutes, all of that leaves them. And many times we've had it where they fall asleep on our couch. They're just so peaceful. The peace of God. And we'll just start talking or maybe watching some TV. I'm not sitting there doing like a, a heavy-duty counseling session. We'll just hang out. And I'll be there to just kind of make them, you know, if, even if I just make them laugh or, you know, just, just getting around peace. They'll come in and they'll sit down on the couch. And many of them just fall asleep on my couch. Came in distressed, eyes bloodshot, weeping, crying, whatever it might be having issues, having problems, and come right in. And the power of God that is in this house, why? Because we've already prayed. We've anointed this house. Said, Lord, this is your home. This is your home. Come and manifest your presence in this house. Manifest your healing in this house. Manifest your presence in this house. How do you put on the house? I'll tell you, this house that I'm sitting in right now, Troy, or Todd, I mean, before I even owned this house and I knew that I was going to buy it, I came over here I, and my wife came, my kids came and we literally marched around this house, declared it to be ours. And of course, nobody, just keep in mind, nobody was living in it. You can't just go like <laughs> claiming other people's homes that they own. It's like they're in there having dinner and you're like outside screaming in tongues and laying out. I'm not talking about that. We've had some nutty people. We had somebody one time that was completely nuts. And they were like, I believe God, they actually told us this. God told me that house is already mine. Well, somebody's already living in there with their family. And the person that said that, like, God showed me this house is already mine. They like broke into the house in the afternoon and were like sitting in there. When the family came home, they like called the police that the person got arrested. I'm not talking about being a nut job. <laughs> That's not at all what I'm saying. This house was unoccupied for two years. Nobody lived in it. Nobody was, it was empty, just sat here empty. And we came over in the evening, me, my wife, my kids, and we just walked around the house. We had our bottle of anointing oil and we laid our hands on the home and we claimed it as ours. We thanked God for it. We anointed it with the anointing oil. And then once we did actually purchase it and it became ours, we did the same. We walked through the homes and through the rooms of the home. And every bedroom, every bathroom, every sitting space, we gave it to God, said, Lord, this is your home. See, I just look at myself as a steward of what's God's. When you truly understand covenant, you start to understand, uh, if you truly understand it the way that they cut it in the Bible, covenant means everything I have belongs to you and everything you have belongs to me. That's what a true covenant was. That's what a true covenant was. If you go back, everything I have belongs to you 
Anything you need, if I've got it, it's yours. And anything you have belongs to me. If I need it, then you make it available. That's what covenant is. So when you come into covenant with God, everything you have belongs to God. But you know what the better news is? Everything he has belongs to you. Think about that. Everything I have belongs to God. Everything he has belongs to me. And so I want you to catch this because when we're talking about consecrating, I don't think of myself, and and this would be a good thing for all of you that are watching, I never think of myself as owning anything, anything, any of the clothes that I wear, jewelry I may have, the house that I live in, the car that I drive. I never think of myself as owning anything. You know what I do think of myself as? A steward of God's property. It's all God's. Everything I have, every dollar that's in the bank, this house, my car, my clothes, my shoes, my jewelry, all my equipment, everything that I have belongs to God. It's not mine, it's his. That's why I never have an issue if he tells me to sow anything, to give anything. I got no issue with it because it's not mine in the first place. It's his. I am just a steward of anything he's given me. Notice, nothing that I have did I acquire on my own. Nothing. Nothing that I own. Nothing that I have did I acquire on my own. People get prideful. You know, I've heard my dad preach for years. People say, everything I have, these two hands got me. My hard work, my... No, nothing I have did I acquire on my own. Everything I have is a blessing from the Lord. Everything. Every single thing, including my wife, including my children. And they all belong to God. And so that's why I have no issue... Anytime the Lord speaks to me to sow anything, I don't get all bent out of shape. So I can't, that's my favorite. That's mine. No, it's not mine. It's God's. It's the Lord's. You heard me tell the story of when I was sitting in a, a I was at a ministers and leaders conference at Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's in Tampa. And I can remember just sitting there on the front row and, um, and hearing the Lord speak to me to just, he said, there's an evangelist here. I want you to take this watch that you have, it was a beautiful watch. In fact, it was a gift from my wife uh, for uh, Christmas and beautiful watch. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to go and give that watch to a certain evangelist. He mentioned the evangelist to me. Well, I didn't get, it was one of my favorite watches. And I didn't get all bent out of shape. I can't believe that. That's a gift from my wife. How dare you, Lord? She bought me that for Christmas. No, it, it, it's not mine in the first place. Whether it's a gift or not a gift, it's not mine. Once it comes into my hands, it's God's. So I didn't get all bent out of shape. I actually said, Lord, it's done. And I gave that watch to that evangelist. And um, afterwards, I was up and uh, somebody came to me and said, asked the question. They said, uh, what, what watches do you own? I mean, what a crazy question that is. This was the same night, by the way. Same night of sowing the seed, not, not knowing that I'd done it. Someone said to me, what watches do you have? And I, we were just getting conversation. I kind of told him what I had. And um, it was interesting because that night uh, after they asked me, they pulled out a watch they had and they said, try this on. This is a nice watch. And I tried it on beautiful, fit me perfectly. And uh, they were like, you know what? That's, that's for you. I'm going to give you that. Well, I looked at that watch. That watch that that person gave me 
was worth about six or seven times more than the watch I gave away that night. The watch that was given to me that night was worth like $3,500 and beautiful watch. But it's interesting to me because God was teaching me as he always continues to do and showing me how when I honor him by doing what he said to do with his resources, they're his resources, not mine, then he will always reward me for obeying his instruction on how to steward his resources. So why do I anoint? my car, my home, the things that we have. I've anointed my children. Why? Because I'm consecrating them, setting them apart as holy. They belong to God. They're separated unto him. They're for his purpose. Even things that God's given me, even abilities. I want you to think about this. Even abilities that God has given me, I consecrate those abilities unto God. Literally. Let me just give you an example. The ability that I have to play the piano, as you saw me doing in the pre-roll video, the ability that I have to play the piano and sing, do you know how that ability came upon me? That gift didn't come because I had all these years of training and all this, none of that. That's not how it came. I was in a revival service with Brother R.W. Shambach before he died, and I was a young teenager. And every, every time he would do uh, a 10-day tent crusade on the final Sunday, uh, he would do a, an afternoon service and it was a children's blessing service. And he would always pray for every child, teenager or, or younger, that was under the tent. And I came through the prayer line, lifted my hands, and he stopped me. And he, he, had, he had a knowing that that's the, the, the gift that I desired to praise the Lord, to, to play the keyboard and organ and sing. And he dipped his hand in that anointing oil bucket and he laid hands on me as a young man and said, that gift that you desire is coming upon you and, and begin to prophesy. And it hit me that night. Well, listen, I had no experience. I had no training. I didn't go to school for the piano. I didn't have any, no lessons, I, none of that. But when the power of the Holy Ghost came upon me, he began to teach me. And I studied, obviously, to show myself approved, but I've never gone to college for it, never gone to school for it. I've just, you know, sat down and learned things, and then the Holy Spirit has anointed my mind to retain. And then been faithful, watch this, been faithful with the gift that he's given me. What do I mean by that? Well, I've given my gift to him in faithfulness. And so even when I was 16 years old, 17, when I first started playing, first started playing, I started leading praise and worship in my youth group and then little tent meetings here and there. And I'd go out and play and maybe there'd be a night at our church that my uncle, Pastor Tim Shuttlesworth, would allow the uh, the youth band to play and lead a few songs. Faithful. I didn't sit at home and say, well, when I get big opportunities, then I'll start doing No, any opportunity I had. I remember doing a, uh, you may have heard me tell this story. I remember when I was a young teenager, like, well, I was probably 16, 17. I was an older teenager, but... <clears throat> We, we put up our tent. It was a small tent. We put it up in one of the West Virginia towns that we were uh, close by to. And uh, every night somebody would preach. But I, me and the youth band were the praise and worship for the night. Well, I problem with this, it was like a week-long revival. And I only knew like five songs total. Just five songs. So guess what? Every single night, the praise and worship set was the exact same set. Because they were the only songs I knew. And I remember a guy came up to me on like the third night. No lie. 
guy walks up to me before we started and he's up there by the altar and he, he kind of motions for me to come over. And I was like, Hey brother, good to see you. He said, you going to do them same five songs again tonight? And I was like, yep, I actually absolutely am. They're the only songs I know. And, uh, and I led them again and again and again, all that was all I know and knew. And some people say, oh, I can't do it until I learn new songs. I said, you know what? I'll be faithful every opportunity that I get. Not only that, after I was anointed with oil and those things came upon me, um, <clears throat> I, came, I, I made a, a promise, a vow to the Lord. Because what was I doing? Consecrating even that gift and setting it aside as holy unto the Lord. You know, you know what the, the vow I made was? Lord, if you'll anoint me to play, if you'll teach me how to do these things, if you'll show me how to do this under the anointing, I will only ever give this gift unto you. I will only ever play for your glory. You'll never see me playing at a coffee house. You'll never see me playing in a bar. You'll never see me playing at a club. You'll, none of those things. You'll never see it happen, Lord. I'll never be out doing you know secular gigs to make money. Nothing. None of that. And because I set this gift aside under the Lord, he's opened doors for me around the world to play, sing, praise him, preach, whatever. But it all came from consecration after the anointing with oil. I said, I will never do anything but honor you, God, with this gift. What does that mean? It's consecrated and set aside. This house that I'm sitting in has already been consecrated unto God. This, this house I'm sitting in is never going to be, you know, a, a house that hosts a fundraiser for a politician to come and have an open bar and, you know, people come over and, you know, do a fundraiser, you know, whatever, we're on the water, have stuff back at the pool and, you know, have an open bar and then a, a politician gives me a cut. It'll never happen. This house will never host uh, some sort of secular party where, the, you know, got club music going on through the house, people hooking up. That's crazy. It's never going to be that. This house is separated unto God. That's what this house is for. It's God's property. And so when you anoint with oil, you are consecrating. You're setting it apart as holy. And if you'll do that, if you'll put God first in that thing, then he will be first and he'll anoint that. Just like this. This house is anointed. Every house I've owned, every apartment I've owned has been anointed. Carries the anointing in it to literally set people free. Can I tell you how real this is? Let me share with you how real, <clears throat> and this needs to be shared. If you've not done it and you just logged on, share it. Because let me tell you something, people need to hear this in the day and age we're living. Let me tell you how real, how real what I'm talking about is. Because we don't go around advertising it. Me doing this on the broadcast is like the first we ever have talked about it. Because we don't go out, people think you're nuts. It's like, what are you doing pouring that oil on the house? Oh, just never mind, we're consecrating it. People don't understand. And so we don't go around broadcasting it. But let me tell you how real it is for those of you that are watching. When we moved in, to this house, obviously, it had been, not been lived in for two years. There were some things, there was some work that needed to be done in the house. So we called some people over, secular contractors, secular workers. And they'd come in with all their tools, ladders, gear, whatever, and they'd work in the house. And you know, all of them said the same thing. They all did. You know what they said? Man, I really like coming to your house to work because, you know, when I come here, it's just like so peaceful in your house. I've never been in a house like this that's so peaceful. He said, so calm, you can like feel peace in your house. Well, these aren't Christians saying that. These are sinners. 
You know, you come in, they just got done, you know, smoking a full pack plus some, you know, green cauliflower in the in their <laughs> in their car on the way over. Some of them are out there drinking on the job, you know, half of them. So they're, they're not, I'm not talking about uh, uh, Christian brothers and sisters that walk in, oh, hallelujah, brother, I can just feel the peace of God. No, I'm talking about construction workers that don't even serve God walking in and without me telling them even what we do. They say, you know what? I like coming to your house. There's just something about your house, uh, Mr. Shuttlesworth. It's just so peaceful in here. It's just, I can feel peace for some reason. That's their, their exact words. You know, they, they didn't say like, man, it feels good in here. And I said, what you're feeling, brother, is the peace of God that passes all understanding. No, I didn't say that. I just let them speak. And you know what they said? Man, I like coming here. It just feels so peaceful. You can call me anytime you want. I'm happy to come back and work here. You know why? They felt a difference. They walked into the atmosphere of my property that I gave to God that's now his property that had been anointed, consecrated, and set aside for him. And now what do they feel? They feel the anointing that we've welcomed into this atmosphere. They feel it. You know why? The anointing is tangible. It's tangible. Sinners can feel it. Christians can feel it. Pets can feel it. <laughs> your dog will fight with your cat less. No, I'm kidding. But I mean, I have seen pets feel it. If you were on, you watched um, my Uncle Tiff's broadcast a couple of weeks ago. He actually, this was when I was still in Michigan on the final day before I left. My Uncle Tiff did a broadcast where he talked about the fact that uh, his pets had been given unto him by God. And there was a time when one of his dogs was going to die. One of his dogs was literally on the verge of death. And he laid hands on that dog because it belonged to him. It was part of his property in covenant with God. Laid hands on his dog and that dog was healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Your pets will feel the tangible anointing. You will feel it. Your children will feel it. Guests will feel it. It's real. The power of God is real. And when you consecrate things unto God, when you set things aside to God, then his blessings upon it, his anointing can flow. Do you know there's some churches that don't even have the anointing on them because they have actually pushed God out of their atmosphere? Well, how did they do that? By not allowing the Holy Spirit to move. They literally don't want the moving of the Holy Spirit in their church. They don't want it. Well, uh, what, do you, what do you think about speaking in tongues on a Sunday morning? Well, we don't really want to have speaking in tongues on a Sunday morning because, you know, it's kind of weird. It freaks the visitors out. You know, we got a lot of searchers that are in. And so that they don't even want speaking in tongues, let alone prophecy, let alone tongues and interpretation, let alone the laying on of hands or the gifts of healings or miracles, let alone all of that. They don't want any of that. They just want a nice clean cut little service where they can have a nice video and they can have, you know, somebody give a short talk and then, you know, they take an offering because they need the money and then get everybody in and out the door in an hour. They don't want the Holy Ghost. And there's churches that have no power of God in the atmosphere that you could go there as a sinner and attend that church for a year, two years, three years, and never feel the conviction to change. You know why you don't feel it? And you know why you can attend that church as a sinner and, and feel fine in your sin? There's no anointing in the church. But it's the anointing of God that breaks the yoke of bondage. The anointing that breaks the yoke. 
And there's people that go to churches that are as dead as three in the morning and they stay there. Man, I really love my church. What a sense of community. Yeah, that you better have something because that's all you have. Place to hand out your business cards and get together and have coffee breaks because there's no anointing in the church. No anointing. The Holy Spirit doesn't come because they've kicked him out of his own house. But you can have that anointing in your home and at your church. And you can anoint and consecrate and set your home apart, set your kids apart. Notice what the Bible says in verse 29, anything that touches them will become holy and consecrated. You know what that means? That you can anoint your children so that when they go out into this world, when they go out into this atmosphere, that when they get in contact with other individuals, they're not going to be the ones that get changed by the spirit of this world. They're going to be the ones that go out and they're the influencers and anybody that touches them will catch the anointing of God and get changed by the power of God that's on them. I'll give you an example. Exactly true, Kevin. We should be more concerned about obeying and pleasing God than offending visitors. Of course we should, no question. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things that'll show you this is uh, maybe you've had this happen to you. If you have, throw a hand up in the comments, but maybe you've been around people that are, uh, that are, are sinners or whatever. They don't serve the Lord like you do, maybe at work or something at school. And uh, they're talking in conversation. They just drop an F-bomb or something. And then they look at you. I was like, "Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that, Donna. Or sorry about sorry about that, April. Sorry about that, uh, Jim. Uh, I I know you don't. What are they doing? Well, you didn't stand up there and reprimand them for their language. How dare you say that word in front of me? These are holy ears, and they only hear it. No, you're not sitting around, you know, <clears throat> reprimanding them for how they talk. But you know what happens is that because you're there." When they say those things, you know what happens? They feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's in you. They feel that conviction. What I'm talking about right now, them feeling that conviction, this is a result of you being consecrated and set apart unto the Lord. And that anything that gets around touches you becomes holy. Let me ask you a question. Do you think they're apologizing for dropping the F-bomb in front of their friends at the bar? Do you think they're apologizing for dropping the F-bomb in front of their friends, you know, when they're out at a club or, or, or talking, uh, uh, you know, normal? Do you think they apologize to their unsaved friends when they say it? Or are they all just saying it? Of course they're not apologizing. That's just how they talk. It's just how many sinners talk. But why do they apologize when they're in front of you? Because it's not just about, uh, well, they have manners. No, if they had manners, they wouldn't say it in the first place. They wouldn't say it in the first place. Intelligent people can actually think of alternate words to express their displeasure rather than the F word. It's not because they have manners. It's because they feel something on you that they don't feel on their friends. It's the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. It's because you're consecrated and set apart unto God. And there's an anointing on you that wherever you go, you are anointed. And they feel it and they know it. And so they feel uncomfortable doing things that are out of line in front of you. Anything that touches them will become holy. Isn't it interesting that they start to curb their behavior because you're around? Not around as a police. You're not policing their behavior. No, just because you're filled with the spirit of God, the spirit of peace, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The anointing 
is the presence of God that is literally placed on an individual, Emily? It's a great question. She said, if you're listening on another, if you're listening on the podcast or watching on another platform than Facebook, Emily said, how is the anointing linked to the presence of God? The anointing is the presence of God and empowerment of God coming upon an individual. And so God is the anointing, but whenever you receive his power and his glory, that's his anointing coming upon you as an individual for the purpose of your work or your, or your actual calling in the kingdom of God. And so that's what it, that's what it is. I mean, I'm looking at all these people that are giving examples, complete strangers at the gas station have apologized. I have doctors that apologize to me. Uh, you know, you have all these people giving testimonies. You know why? It's true across the board. If you carry the anointing on your life, sinners can feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Bottom line, they can. So you have uh, you have you have the anointing. You're consecrated. You're set apart unto God. And the Bible says, and anything that touches them will become consecrated. I'm believing. You know, for our children, that's one of the reasons we launched Miracle Word Kids. We're believing that your children will be consecrated and set apart. Did you ever see our slogan for Miracle Word Kids? Strong, smart, and set apart. Strong, smart, and set apart. What are we saying? Our kids, when they go out into the world, will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. They'll be smart. They'll have eternal wisdom. They'll have the God kind of wisdom, access to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and set apart is number three. They'll be consecrated. They'll be holy. They won't be like the rest of this world, set apart. It's consecrated. And so that's what we're believing God, that when we go out into public, we'll be different than everybody, and whatever comes in contact with us will be changed. We won't be changed by it. It will be changed by us. Amen. We won't be changed by it. Our kids won't be changed by it. They will be changed by us in Jesus mighty name. Hallelujah. I said in Jesus mighty name. That's number one. The anointing oil brings consecration or a set apart atmosphere on your home, on your, whatever your thing, you're just a steward of God's possessions that he's blessed you with. But number two, it's not just about consecration, but number two, the anointing oil in function actually empowers somebody for their work. It empowers somebody for their work. So it doesn't just consecrate them, doesn't just set them aside, it empowers them. And the Spirit of God comes mightily upon a person. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. When you anoint with oil, you can actually anoint a person and consecrate them for, for their purpose and the power of God come upon them to do what they're called to do. That's what I believe when I just told you that story. That's what I believe just happened to me when I was a, a teenager. When that anointing came upon me, I was being empowered by the Spirit of God to do the thing that I'm doing now, being empowered by the spirit of God. And that's one of the functions of the mystery of the anointing oil. And look what happened. We know that it happened to King David before he became the king. God had seen him and called him out. That's going to be the next king of Israel. He's a man after my own heart. And so the prophet Samuel was sent to Jesse's house who had other sons. And the Bible says he was not sent there for Jesse, 
nor was he sent there for any of the other sons. He was sent there for David alone. And when Samuel gets to the house, it's funny to me that Jesse, David's father, didn't even believe in him enough to call him in out of the field when he heard the prophet Samuel is coming to your house to anoint the next king of Israel. He called all of his other seven sons into the room and left David out in the field. That's his father saying, you know, I don't, I don't even believe that my son could be the king because I'm not even going to call him in because it definitely is not David. It's got to be one of my oldest seven. Think about that. Here's a young man. Here's a young man that, uh, really his father didn't even believe in him. Literally father didn't believe in him and left him out in the field. And then Samuel comes and all the seven oldest are lined up in the house and Samuel stands in front of one after another and basically can feel in his spirits, not him. Yes, he's handsome. Yes, he's strong. Yes, he's well-built. Not him. Next one, it's not him. Next one, it's not him. And he goes through all seven and he looks at Jesse, says, don't you have any other sons? Well, you know, I do have one other son, but I mean, he's just, you know, and then he starts to explain it away. Look at verse 11. First, first Samuel 16, 11. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains the youngest. You know, he said, well, I do have one other. And he said, uh, but behold, he's, you know, he's keeping the sheep. You know, he's just a, a shepherd. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes. And the Bible says, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. I love that. For this is he. Now look at verse 13, very powerful. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. The question here, uh, why, why did God send Samuel with the anointing oil to anoint David if it would have just been possible for God to just go ahead and anoint him without it? No, because it was part of the function to be anointed for king. There was an anointing with oil. There was an anointing with oil. And that was God's function, God's purpose. I like what one translation says in verse 13. And from that day, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David came mightily upon David. And so one of the things that takes place when you anoint with oil is the power of God comes upon somebody for their purpose, for their calling, for their work. And that's what happened to me on that day. It's what God did in me that took me into a place of breakthrough praise and worship and then eventually to preaching and teaching. And so uh, I don't know of a specific prayer, Ruth, for consecrating the oil. I don't know of a specific prayer. We just consecrate it, make it holy, and use it. I remember when I was with uh, Bishop David Oyedepo, we were in, in um, it was a very interesting service. It was an anointing service. I had never been in one like this, but he said, when you come back tonight, everybody bring your own bottle of oil, and we're going to have an anointing uh, service. Well, I came back, and we had our oil, and uh, so he actually prayed a mass prayer over uh, the oil prayed a mass prayer where everybody had their own bottle of anointing oil and he prayed uh, the prayer of anointing over the oil nothing specific there's not a like a liturgical prayer to be prayed over the oil but he prayed that God would anoint it consecrate it set it apart and I thought we did something very interesting because what I'm going to get to in a moment 
uh, is very interesting um, that uh, he believed that as we anointed, we could even anoint ourselves, which we do anyway. We could anoint ourselves. But he did something that I'd never thought about doing, and we did it by faith. You know, God, God honors your faith. He said, now that you've anointed yourself, he said, now take a little bit, pour it in the cap. He had us unscrew the cap from the top. He said, pour it in the cap. And he said, I want you to drink it. And we took a drink of the oil. He said, now believe God that as you're anointing, even the inside of your body, your organs are being healed. Your bloodstream is being touched. Your or, your, your uh, muscles and your, uh, your bones are, are, and your joints are being strengthened by the power of God. And by faith, we drank a little of that anointing oil and believe God that even the inside of our body was receiving a touch. Once when my father was preaching out in the Midwest uh, in Indiana, there was a drought going on and it hadn't rained for a long period of time. And many of the farms were scorched and burnt and crops were being lost uh, from the farmers, a lot of issues. And one night, the um, one of the men in the church came to my father, actually it was the morning service. He said, Brother Ted, do you like watermelons? And he said, absolutely, I, I like watermelons. He said, well, tonight I'm going to bring you a whole crate, a whole carton of, of watermelons. And my dad said, you know, no, you're playing with me. Nobody has watermelons now. There's this drought on, you know, there's no, there's been no rain. Everything's scorched and burnt. He said, oh, I got them. I'm bringing them to you. That night he brought him a massive crate, filled his car with watermelons. And uh, the pastor said, Brother Ted, tomorrow we need to drive out to this man's farm and you need to see what God did for this man. It's supernatural. So the next day they got in the car and they're driving out. And if you've ever been to the Midwest, you know, it's all flat and straight. And they were driving out uh, to the man's farm. And on both sides of the road, everywhere you look, scorched brown grass on both sides. It just looked, it literally just looked burnt over. Every single farm scorched. And then they come up. And in the distance, here comes this piece of property, emerald green grass. I mean, just as looks as lush and alive as anything. And they pull up on it to the man's farm. And it was interesting. They said when they walked up and looked, the man had a fence posts around his farm. And my father said when he walked up and looked, the grass that came right up to the edge of the man's property where the fence posts ended, it was deep emerald green all the way up to the fence post. And then after his property ended, it was brown and scorched. So my father thought that they were praying, playing a, a prank on him. He said, what does he have? Like some sort of an irrigation system or something? The pastor said, no. He came into the church one afternoon and asked if he could borrow the anointing oil. And uh, he said, what do you need it for? Are you going to go to the hospital and pray for the sick? He said, no, pastor, I'm going to anoint my farm. And so he went back out to his farm and walked the perimeter of his property, holding the anointing oil, poured it in his hand and laid hands on the, the, the top of every fence post every fence post all the way around his property. Ruth, this is what I'm talking about. Just let praying just praying it and thanking God that whatever we anoint is holy and consecrated. And he walked around his whole property of his farm and laid hands on the top of every fence post and declared that those things may come on others, it's not coming on me in Jesus name. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, that farm was supernaturally provided for by God. And he never lost his crops, never lost his income. And while everybody else was in a mess, he was blessed because of the anointing oil. Same thing happened to me and my wife. I remember 
when we lived in Virginia, uh, of course, you know, we, we've always lived on the coast. Virginia Beach is on the coast. Now we're here on the coast in Florida. And, um, you know, when hurricane season hits and things start coming up the eastern seaboard, you know, things get all, all stirred up. And, uh, Ruth, one of the things we did is, uh, any, as I said, anytime we buy a house, we anoint it and we give it to God and say, this is your home. We, we consecrate this as holy. Well, we were out on the road traveling and preaching, and it was hurricane season. And a bad hurricane was coming up the coast. Rough. This was years ago, maybe a decade ago now. Rough coming up the coast, tearing stuff up. South Carolina, Georgia, North Carolina. And it was getting ready to hit Virginia Beach. And we started getting uh, the, the reference, Christina, is 1 Samuel 16, 13. But we, we started getting all these calls. Man, it's going to be a bad hurricane. You should probably come home and get your house prepared for the hurricane. You should board up all your windows. You should, you know, get everything out of the yard, all this stuff. Any any limbs or any trees that are by your house, you probably should cut that off so it doesn't smash through your roof and all this stuff. And I, stu- I and I I almost got to a place where the enemy allowed me to be fearful and I thought to myself, "You know what? I'm not doing that. We're not going home. We're not going to change our schedule. We're not going to quit these meetings and go home because of a hurricane coming up the coast." And it reminded me of this. I said, I've already, we've already anointed our homes with oil. We've already prayed the prayer of faith. We've consecrated them. We've given the property to God. It's his. It's his. So it's his business to protect it. Not to mention, not to mention, every time we leave the house, even to this day, every time we leave to go on a meeting and we're going to be gone for any period of time, we always say, thank you, Lord, that as we're out working for you, angels are here at our home property watching over everything that we own everything that's ours we thank you that no damage will come to our property no no wicked thing all that no no uh, uh you know theft no robbery all that and so we always pray that we prayed it before that trip well we came back after it was all done and uh, we're driving through virginia beach and it looked rough i mean there were trees down everywhere properties were destroyed then I pulled into my neighborhood and I'm driving down my block and I'm just slowly coming down and it looked bad. Both sides of my street, I'm looking at people's homes. There's vinyl siding in everybody's yards. Stuff is tore up. Yards are tore up. Trees have fallen. One of my neighbors, a huge pine tree had fallen down in the hurricane, smashed through the top of his roof and now he's got to have roof uh, his roof redone and all this stuff. And the enemy's trying to make me nervous. You should have came home and you should have been more more responsible. I pulled up on my property. I promise you before the Lord. I pulled up in front of my property. There was no vinyl siding in the yard. There were no trees fallen. There were no windows broken. There was nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lost. And literally, I'm sitting there looking at it, even looking at my yard. It looked like a landscaper had just left my property. There wasn't debris sitting around everywhere, all that. God had supernaturally protected our property. Why? We'd consecrated as holy. And we're out there doing the work of the Lord as the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon us. Why? Anointing with oil. So you can consecrate and operate in the power of the Holy Ghost with and by the anointing oil. God, Listen to me. God himself prescribed the anointing oil. This is not some man-made thing. God himself prescribed it. In the same way that um in the same way that we believe in the the laying on of hands. In the same way we believe in the communion meal. 
in the same way we believe in prayer cloths, in the same way we believe in the spoken word. This, in that same way, because God prescribed all of those things, we believe in the anointing oil that God also prescribed. And so I want to take you to now the third thing that I want you to see before we pray. The third function of the anointing oil that's found in the book of James chapter 5. James chapter 5. You can go there with me. Listen to what the Bible says. This is number three. Anointing with oil, prayer, and laying on of hands looses healing into someone's physical body. Looses healing virtue into somebody's body. Listen, uh, James 5, 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Verse 14. Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So the third function of the anointing oil is that you can use it as you're ministering to the sick. And the Bible says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And so third thing you need to understand is that you can anoint yourself, you can anoint your family, you can anoint your loved ones and pray the prayer of faith and loose the gift of healing into your body, your children's body, your friends and loved ones' body by the power of the Holy Ghost, by the function of the anointing oil. And, and, and Miss Loenda was making, um, she was um, making reference to this story when the devil attacked my daughter, Madeline, she was only two years old. This was eight years ago. She was two, 2012. It was, it was eight years ago. And we were holding a meeting in North Carolina, a tent meeting. And as we did, we had a wonderful meeting, powerful people saved, people healed. But at the end, my daughter started being attacked. And she couldn't even walk around, couldn't even keep her eyes open. Her eyes would roll into the back of her head. She lost all strength. She was limp. And I had to carry her everywhere as a two-year-old. Before that, she was so full of life. She'd run, she'd play, she'd scream, dance, jump. She was just full of life. And she lost all strength. And uh, we took her back home to Virginia. And we brought her to the hospital. And uh, I said, Doc, I can't figure out what's going on. Can you let me know what's happening? And so he he said, well, we're going to have to do some blood tests. And so I said, all right. Brought her into the hospital room. And there he took the blood. And when it came back from the lab, he came in with a long face. And he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, Mr. Shuttlesworth, but your daughter, Madeline, has a blood disease. And he began to talk to us about it. She has a blood disease. And he said, this disease, because she's a young girl, will affect her heart. And it will, it will keep her from being able to do things to exert her energy. She shouldn't be exerting her energy because she'll have heart problems. And so she shouldn't be running and playing like other kids, no sports. I mean, he, he started to give us a list that things that she was not going to be able to do because of this blood disease. And I got mad and my wife got mad in the hospital. 
And we said, this is not our portion in the name of Jesus. This is not the story for our daughter in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I told the Lord very, uh, very plainly, I said, Lord, it would be stupid of me. I'm not going to go around the world and around the nation preaching that Jesus is a healer and that there's miracles, signs, and wonders if it's not even happening in my own house. I refuse to do it. I'm just not going to do it. You, you, and, and so I was very plain. Yeah, that's right. Car Carolyn's telling me the, the details I've forgotten. She said they said she had congestive heart failure because of the blood disease that there was water around her heart. And that was the report we got, congestive heart failure. And uh, so they gave us these things. And I was just very plainly speaking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, one of two things is going to have to happen. I, either you're going to heal this girl or you've lost a preacher. Now, I've had people that rebuked me for saying that. I actually had a guy come up to me and said that uh, I shouldn't say that publicly and that, that, there, that you shouldn't say that because there are people uh, whose children don't serve the Lord. And they say, well, Lord, you can either uh, bring my children in or I'm not going to serve you. I said, well, that's a different. What they don't realize is that's a different story because I, my prayers can never overrule somebody's free will. I cannot pray and overrule someone else's free will. If someone chooses not to serve God, that's their business. My choosing to serve the Lord is not uh, based on whether someone else serves the Lord or not. But that's not what I was praying. What I was praying was, I didn't say, Lord, I'll no longer serve you. That's not what I was saying. I was saying, I'm not going to go around and preach a gospel that I can't even get to work in my own house. How stupid is that? If I'm going to travel around the country and, and, and preach a gospel that I can't even get to function. There's no way I'm doing that. If I can't get it to work for me, I'm not going to tell you it'll work for you. It would be false advertising. Ted goes around and preaches healing, but he doesn't even have, you know, his whole family's going through sickness and disease and they don't, they're not healed. So that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. And I was playing with that, playing with the Lord about it. I said, I'll serve. Of course I'll be faithful. I'll serve him. I'll live for him till I die, but I'm not going to preach a gospel that doesn't work. It either works or it doesn't work. Either the power of God is real or it's not real. Either we can receive miracles or, or not receive miracles. One of the two things has to be true. And so I got very plain right there at Centara Hospital in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And I said, Lord, either this girl gets healed or you've lost a preacher. Because I, I want this thing to be real in experience, not just in theory. And I got mad. Went home to the house. Carolyn stayed at the hospital with Maddie. And I went to that lazy Susan and I pulled out that, it was just Mazzola cooking oil is all it was. Just Mazzola cooking oil. Consecrated it on the way back to the hospital. Got to the hospital. And I said to Carolyn, let's do this. And we poured that oil in our hands. And we laid hands on our little two-year-old daughter. I mean, you know, it's a whole nother story when you're praying for somebody that's your family or your loved one than somebody you don't know. It's a whole nother story because you can pray for somebody you don't know and say, praise God, standing with you, but it doesn't affect your own life or heart because you don't even know the person. But when you pray for somebody that's in your own family, someone you know, someone you love, the devil tries to make you feel like it's not happening. It's getting tugs on your heart and all these different things. And I can remember sitting there in the hospital 
And my daughter's veins were so small, I guess, or so faint that the, the nurses trying to pull blood couldn't even pull blood. They stuck her arms probably eight, nine times trying to find a vein to, to draw blood. But my daughter was so weak on that death, on death well, she wasn't on her deathbed, but on that hospital bed that she's got tears rolling down her face at two years old and looking at me and saying, Daddy, she said this to me. I mean, it broke my heart. She said, Daddy, don't let them hurt me anymore. And that's what my daughter said to me at two years old. What do you feel like as a father? The enemy comes up and begins to lie to you. Oh, this is the kind of things that I was hearing in my spirit from the enemy lying to me. Oh, thought you were a miracle man. Thought you were a man of God. Thought you were a preacher and a teacher. Operate in the mighty power of God. Can't even keep your own family healed. Can't even keep your own children from sickness and disease. Man, I was ticked off. Ticked off. We grabbed that anointing oil and anointed that girl by the power of the Holy Ghost. My wife and I laid our hands on her and loosed healing virtue and power into her physical body. Hallelujah. Loosed healing virtue and power into her physical body. Cursed that heart disease, commanded it to leave her in Jesus' name. Well, the doctor came back in. He said, uh, Mr. Shuttlesworth, uh, we're going to have to do some more tests on your daughter, some more blood tests. I said, that's fine. So they came in, pulled more blood, went to the lab. When they came back from the lab, now he came in and he's got two other doctors with him. And now they're checking their equipment, checking the stuff by her bed, checking the, the monitors, checking all the stuff. And, uh, and so uh, they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Apparently they didn't get the results on the test back. They thought they would. He said, uh, Mr. Shuttlesworth, got to do a little bit more testing here. I said, that's fine. Then he took that more blood, came back from the lab. Now he's got him and the two doctors and medical students with clipboards in their hand. And so they're trying to figure it out. By the time he was done, he came up to me and said, I don't know what to tell you. He said, I can't explain this, Mr. Shuttlesworth, but I have to send your daughter home. I can't even diagnose her with anything. He had already previously diagnosed her. He said, this is what she has. This is what's going on. He said, I don't know what to tell you. I have to send her home because I can't even diagnose her with anything. And do you know what happened? He, on the way out of the hospital, as we said, but how he said, he goes, however, it's, it is flu season. He said, so I would strongly recommend that you let me give her the, uh, the flu shot before you go. I thought, my God, if God can heal her from congestive heart failure and a blood disease, then I got no worries about the flu or getting a flu shot. I said, we're good to go. We're just going to head on. We're just going to head on home. And we went home with a healed baby girl in our arms. No blood disease, no congestive heart failure. Do you think that she's over here sitting around in a dark room? Not being, She's outside running around. She's outside playing with her friends. She's outside doing sports. She's outside swimming in the pool. She is healed by the power of God. Eight years later, and there has never, ever been another symptom in her body. Yeah, they made us sign a paper. Uh, that we didn't want the flu shot because they told us if she caught the flu, she would die. I'm thinking, my God, let me be the one that declares what's going to happen. You just stick to doctoring and I'll declare the faith. <laughs> if I had to depend on them for my faith, I'd have had no faith. But she's healed. She was healed then. She's healed now. 
by the power of the Holy Ghost. Same thing happened to Brooklyn. Brooklyn was attacked when she was little. Same thing. We were in Jacksonville, Florida in the middle of a revival. Same thing. In the ICU, laid hands on that baby girl. She was healed by the power of God. Let me tell you, there is power in what God tells us to do. There is power in the anointing oil. There's power when we lay our hands on the sick. They must recover by the power of the Holy Ghost. And this is what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to have a an anointing service right here on this broadcast. And if you're at home and you're believing for healing in your body, I want you to go to your kitchen. I want you to go to your pantry. And I want you to get the oil. I want you to pull the oil out. And uh, yeah. Listen to what Carolyn said. We did one heart checkup, and the doctor said, Wow, I have never seen fluid leave a heart so fast. <laughs> and Carolyn said, I said, Thanks, we're never coming back. <laughs> Healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. So I want you to do that. I want you to go, and I want you to get some anointing oil. And we're, we're calling it because we're, we're obeying what the Lord said in his word. We're going to anoint ourselves with oil, every person that needs a touch from God. I want you to get that oil wherever you might be and bring it back in front of your laptop, tablet, TV, phone, whatever you're using. And I want you to anoint yourself. You know, if you can lay your hands on the sick, if you're the sick one, you've got hands that heal. Lay your hands on yourself and believe God. But I want you to get some oil right now and get ready. We're going to pray, and I'm going to loose the prayer of faith, healing virtue, and... Uh, the, the medical center was Centara uh, General Hospital in Virginia Beach, Virginia, James, where I lived. Centara uh, Medical Hospital, right there in Virginia Beach, Virginia, off Damn Neck Road, healed by the power of God. Um, thank you, Brandon. Thank you for sowing a seed. I have a feeling James doesn't believe the story, but that's what God did. Believe it or don't believe it. I have nothing to gain from telling you that it happened other than to build your faith to know that God will do it for you. So I want you to get the oil, get it out and get ready and believe God with us. Many of you are battling in your physical body. It's coming to an end in Jesus name, coming to an end in Jesus name. If you don't have any oil, lay your hands like Mark 16 said, Troy, lay your hands on your own body. And believe God as we get ready to pray this prayer. God will do it for you. We we are based out of Florida Christian now. When we when that happened, we we still lived in Virginia Beach. We've only lived in Florida for two and a half years. We spent like 15 years living in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And so whether you have any or not, just lay your hands on yourself. But for those of you that do, I want you to anoint yourself with oil tonight and believe God. We're going to pray the prayer of faith according to the word of God. And believe for supernatural healing in your physical body. Amen. I love you. I don't come on these broadcasts for nothing. I'm not coming on here every night at 7 o'clock for no reason. It's to build your faith and to see miracles take place in your life. I know. I know. <laughs> James, name the doctor or cast yourself out. <laughs> Whatever that means. If you don't believe it, don't believe it. I have nothing to gain or lose from telling you my testimony other than to build your faith and to put you in a place to receive God for yourself and to receive the anointing of God for yourself. It'd be one thing if I was on here selling anointing oil and saying, you need to use the same oil that I have. This brand of anointing oil will bring you a miracle for only $15 a bottle. You can get you. No, I'm not doing that. 
I'm just building your faith so for you to know that the same God that healed my daughter and has healed me and has healed my wife countless times and has healed my other children is the same God that'll heal you, that'll touch your body. It'll set you free and make you whole. God wants to touch you and bless you. He's a God that heals. The Bible says, I am the God that heals you. Peter said in 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed. He's a healer. And he's given us this means and method from the word of God to walk in divine healing strength and power in Jesus' name. So take that oil if you've got it. And just begin, anoint your head, and we're going to pray. Yes, get it. Get what you've got. Get what you've got, and let's pray together. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as they anoint themselves, their children, their families, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, every sickness that was holding on to their body, every disease, every wicked thing, that's tried to come against their body, that's tried to come against their lives. I rebuke it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I loose the power of God to every man and woman that's watching the broadcast. Maybe you're watching on a replay and you're believing God for a miracle. Maybe you're just listening to this on the podcast. I pray for you now by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm asking you, Lord, touch every man, touch every woman. Drive cancer cells out of their bodies. Touch their organs. Father, touch their pancreas. If they're battling diabetes, touch their pancreas. Touch their blood cells. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, respiratory system, be made whole in Jesus' name. Lord, use them for your glory. Use them for your glory. Make them whole tonight in Jesus' name. You'll get all the glory. You'll get all the praise, Lord, because you're the only one that can do these things. You are the only one that can heal. You're the only one that can set free. And so, Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord, that every physical body is being touched tonight by the anointing of God. Lord, divine healing virtue flowing through every man and every woman. We thank you, God, that not only are sicknesses and diseases leaving tonight, we ask you, Lord, to touch every person that's battling in their mind, all of those that have written in that are battling depression, anxiety, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts. Touch them tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost, make them whole. Lord, set them free and deliver to them joy and peace and let them walk in victory in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful power. We thank you for your wonderful anointing in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I ask you to put a hedge of protection around their home. Put a hedge of protection around their children. Watch out for them, watch over them, make them whole. Keep them in perfect peace. Keep them in perfect joy. Keep them in perfect protection. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Now, Lord, as we obey your word, as we anoint ourselves with oil, pray the prayer of faith, we thank you that you will raise us up, as your word says. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you. We give you honor, glory, and praise. And if you believe it, everybody shout aloud, amen. Throw some emoji hands in the comments. Uh, put some fire emojis, whatever you got. If you believe it and you receive it in Jesus' name. Believing with you, Danielle. Her husband had a CT scan today, she's saying, uh, to test a mass they found on his liver. Praising God that the results come back benign. We're standing with you. It shall not be cancer in Jesus' name. Our God is a healer. 
and your husband will be made whole. I pray that he sees the goodness of God, Danielle, in his, in his life and can see the power of God working in your home because of your faithfulness and your prayers. Amen. James, if you're still on Periscope, I want to encourage you to sow a seed tonight, a financial seed, James, for all of your faith and belief and what God's doing. Support this ministry, James. Burn, James Burn, if you're still there. I want to encourage you to support this ministry financially. James, that doesn't believe the, the testimonies and the miracles of God. Whether you believe it or not, James, sow a seed and support the work of God around the world. <laughs> I, I could hear your, your amen, Luenda, all the way in Florida. <laughs> From Pittsburgh to Florida. I hear it. Love you too, Danielle. Love all of you, man. Thank you for hanging with me tonight. The power of the anointing oil. It's real. It is God. Always looking for the money. <laughs> there he is. James, all these preachers always looking for the money. Always looking for the money. <laughs> James sounds just like every other person that doesn't even know what's going on in the world. Doesn't even know what's happening. Name the doctor. I'll contact the doctor. I don't believe a word of it, brother. I don't believe it. You're spouting BS on your broadcast. I don't believe the testimony. I don't believe it. Living in his mom's basement somewhere, commenting on Periscope on a phone that he bought on a credit card that he can't pay off. Sorry, James. It's true whether you believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to release all my family's medical records to James on the internet. <laughs> That's it. I'm not looking for money. People people sow if they feel to sow. And thank you, Brandon, for sowing a seed tonight. Appreciate and love you. Appreciate and love you. Listen, I want to encourage every one of you. If you believe in this ministry, if you've been blessed, I want to encourage you to sow a seed by the power of God. And what are we believing for? Violent increase, expedited favor. That's what God will do for every one of us. It's going to be our story in Jesus' name. I'm good. I'm just cracking myself up tonight. <laughs> Appreciate you, Gail. Thank you for watching. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Kimberly. Letty. That's it. Cracks me up, man. Mike, you believe the prayer. We're believing with you. Everything's turning in our favor this year. In Jesus' name. Those that are... <laughs> I'll put pics of his home on Twitter. I've already told about my home. I've already put I've already told about my home, James. It's a blessing. It's a total blessing. Thank you, Letty, for sowing a seed. Like people are gonna shame me for being blessed. Cracks me up. I'll put pictures of his home on Twitter. I'll put pictures of his car. Do it. I've got nothing to hide. I'm blessed because God's blessed me. Absolutely blessed. And couldn't, let me tell you. I'm so blessed that like even having James on, I'm thankful that James is on tonight on Periscope. I know a lot of you can't see his comments because he's on Periscope and um, you know we can't see everybody's comments that's on all the different things. But I'm so thankful that James is on here uh, with those comments tonight just to prove my point. Let me read Psalm 112. This makes me so excited that James Byrne is on tonight. Um, listen to Psalm 112. <laughs> James, if I released my giving records, you'd pee your pants. James said, how much are you giving? Zero. If I released how much I give annually to the work of the Lord, 
you would pee. You'd have to go change your underwear. Psalm 112, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring, that's your children, will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Now look at this. Did you know that the Bible even wrote about James? James Byrne on Periscope. This is him right here. Psalm 112, verse 10. The wicked man sees the blessing of the, of the righteous and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. And the desire of the wicked shall perish. That's James Burns' story right there. The wicked man will see the wealth and blessing of the righteous and be angry. Just like James is angry somewhere in the dark with his phone, with the like glow of the phone on his face somewhere in his mom's basement with the phone that he can't afford on a credit card that he can't pay off and gnashes his teeth and gets angry and pees his pants <laughs> and pees his pants and the desire of the wicked shall perish. <laughs> the wicked will see it. And that's what I'm believing for every one of you, every single one of you that are watching that you'll be so blessed. I talked about this this morning, that you'll be so blessed that people with a spirit of antichrist will be angry about the level of blessing you're walking in. That literally, how did you get that? How come you have that car? Why are you living in that house? I'm going to post pictures of your house on the internet. <laughs> I love it. Yes, they should get angry. They should get frustrated. They should grind their teeth in anger. You know why? It's a biblical promise. It's a biblical promise. <laughs> and it's awesome. It's awesome to have James on here tonight. Figuratively in the comments, <laughs> gnashing his teeth in anger, grinding his teeth and being angry. But I'm just telling you, it literally doesn't matter. Because when you are blessed, when God blesses his children, it's a covenant that, lacks, that, that, that happens between God and his children and the devil have no way, has no way whatsoever to interrupt or get in between the covenant that God makes with his people. And so that's the key. As you do what the Lord tells you to do, as the power of God is moving in your life, then you are blessed above and beyond what others who have no provider are. God does not expect you to get uh, uh, to go from paycheck to paycheck, to be hurting, to be bankrupt, to be in debt, to always be the borrower, never be the lender. It's not God's plan for your life. God's plan for you is overwhelming blessing, overflowing. <laughs> People are cracking me up in the comments. <laughs> he said, who paid who paid for those horse teeth? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, 
<laughs> oh, I am. Thank you, Kim. I am a prosperous man. I'm blessed. And you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. And that's the key. How do you do it? You step into the obedience that comes from listening to the voice of the Spirit and obeying Him when He speaks. What is He, what is he saying to you? So you have to ask Him. I can't tell you what to do. He has to tell you. I can't tell you what to do. The Lord has to tell you. So that's why we pray. Because when we pray, the Holy Spirit can speak to you and he can speak to me. You don't have to have, remember this, you don't have to have a person tell you what to do in the New Testament church. Why? Because we all have the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And so we have the ability to hear from him individually. Every one of us can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He can lead and guide every one of us individually. And that's what we need to do. We need to hear his voice. And as we hear him, we obey him. As we hear him, we obey him. So let's pray. Father, I, I pray that you speak to every man, every woman tonight and tell them what you would have them to do in this offering as they sow a seed. We're believing for increase. We're believing for signs and wonders and miracles. We thank you, Lord, that as we sow, angels are bringing back our harvest. We will be blessed above the rest. And we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing for our families. We thank you for what you're doing in our homes. We thank you that our children will never know lack or poverty. In Jesus' name, we give you glory, honor, and praise. We thank you. Amen. Amen. You know, it would be an interesting fact, not that I have to say this, but you know, I know those of you that are watching know me well enough to know this, but things that people like James don't know, everything that's given on these broadcasts, anything that's given, hashtag donate, miracleword.com, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, anything that's given. My wife and I don't take one dollar, not one dime out of any offering that's sown by our partners. None. Not a dime comes to my wife. Not a dime comes to me personally. None of it. It goes into the work of the ministry. Every dime that's sown tonight and every other night on these broadcasts, anytime we're live, anything that's sown goes into the work of the ministry. Not that I couldn't if I wanted to. The Bible says that the minister, the laborer is worthy of his hire. But I just want you to know that we're so blessed, don't have to take one dime. Nope, I'm not paid out of the seeds, James. I'm not paid out of the seeds. Every dime of it goes to the work of the ministry. The feeding of the children around the world, all of that stuff. It's a blessing to work for the Lord. It is a blessing to work for the Lord. And so I thank you. Those of you who want to sow, you can always go to miracleword.com and sow a seed on the website. You can sow a seed via PayPal or Cash App if you'd like to. Also now, Venmo is available. <clears throat> Please pray for us here in the UK. We're starting a three-week lockdown. Yeah, I know. It's happening all over the place. Happening all over the place. We're believing God that it'll quickly come to pass and leave and that we'll go back to life as normal. Many of you, like for example, James is just getting stir crazy in his mom's basement, but he can't go out because he's on lockdown. He's on quarantine and his mom keeps making him meatloaf and you know, macaroni and cheese and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But, you know, you can only sit down in the basement and play video games for so long 
until there's like a lot of energy that's pent up on the inside of you. And then you got to start, you know, commenting on periscopes. So just pray that we get out of the quarantine just for the sake of people like James that are literally bouncing off the walls, you know, in, in their pull-ups, uh, you know, downstairs in the basement. They've got so much pent up energy from not being able to go outside the house and so much of the sugar from the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that, you know, they just, they, they, uh, they need to get out. They need to get out and go do something athletic that will help their bodies. I don't know what James look like, looks like. I'm, I can guess, but I'm not, I don't know for sure. But, you know, you got to get out of the house. you got to get out of the house. Change your pull-up. That's another thing. You can't sit in the beanbag chair and just keep playing The Sims on your Xbox uh, and, and just keep, you know, forgetting to go to the actual bathroom. Change your pull-up. It's getting heavy. It's getting soggy. Change your pull-up and put some fresh undies on. Put some fresh undies on, James. And then, you know, cut back on some of the peanut butter and jellies. Maybe drink a water every once in a while instead of, you know, having so much of that Coke that your mom just keeps giving you because, you know, she doesn't care about your personal health. But, you know, think about your body, James. It's important that you get out the, you know, maybe take a walk. Maybe take a walk around the block something like that. It's good for your body. And uh, it's not good to set, you know, it's not good to sit in wet peepees. You sit in wet peepees and then you have to go to the store and buy that stuff. What's that, Carolyn? What's that? Um, <laughs> what is that white cream we used to have to buy for the kids? That happens. You get a rash, James. You get a rash from sitting in wet peepee. And then you have to get that, what's that white cream that we've had to put on the kids we changed their diaper? It helps you. It helps the rash. You know, so you got to make sure. I forget what it's called. What was that? What was that stuff called? I can't remember. I can't remember. What's that stuff called, Carolyn? Desitin. Thank you, Mike. Why did Carolyn not answer faster than a man? Desitin. That's right. Desitin. We got to get James Burns some Desitin because he apparently just won't stop getting out of his beanbag chair to go to the bathroom and the pull-ups are soggy and, soggy and wet. And he's got just like crumbs all over his mouth and like macaroni and cheese and, you know, on his uh, Jaws t-shirt from 1984, he's got like peanut butter and jelly that's like dripped out. And so a portion of what we're doing tonight is going to get James some desitin. So would somebody, James, would you please let us know where you're watching from uh, so that we can have someone that's closer to you than I am run some desitin to your house and help you out. Maybe with some, get you out of your, uh, you know, Superman jammies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man I love it I love when people like James come on the broadcast thinking they're going to ruin you think you're going to ruin the broadcast but you actually get ruined anyway thank you Superman was generous I know I, I, I was generous but seriously, thank you guys for sowing. Those of you that are sowing seeds, thank you. 
I love you. I appreciate you. Carolyn and I really, really love and appreciate you. <laughs> There's Bishop Ron Collette. I'm just giving people a hard time online. I've turned into a troll on my own broadcast, Bishop Bishop Ron. <laughs> these 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 should be called messing around with Brother Ted. <laughs> oh, I'm cracking myself up. <laughs> Man, and I love you guys. Seriously, thank I do really want to take that's right, taking a break from playing World of Warcraft. Seriously, love you, Jalen. In all seriousness, though, I do want to really and genuinely thank all you guys for those of you that are sowing seeds, those of you that are partnering with us. I do love you so much. And listen, we do pray for you weekly. We pray, pray for you on a weekly basis. And let me just say this, for those of you that want to stay in contact uh, with me in our ministry and with me personally, you can text me. Uh, you can text me uh, just by going to the link on the screen, miracleword.com forward slash text. And you can fill out the form and then we can literally stay in contact via text message. Uh, you will put your, it allows you to put your contact information right into my phone. And then we can stay connected via text. You can send me prayer requests if you'd like to. Uh, let me know what's happening. I'll let you know what's happening uh, with the ministry. I won't blow up your phone, but literally... We can stay connected via text. It is me texting you. It's not somebody in the office. It's not James in his mom's basement. It's actually me sending you text. So if you'd like to stay connected via text message, uh, you can go to that website and do it there. And uh, it will it will help you to um, get all of the updates as soon as they're coming out. And then if you want to just me literally message me a request for prayer, I'm happy to receive it. And so thank you. <laughs> thank you to everybody. And by the way, all of you that have been sewing on Cash App, let me just say for every person that's sewing $85 or more this month, um, we're going to be sending you this book by A.A. A. Allen. If you would do me a favor, miracleword.com forward slash offer is where you need to go to claim this offer for the month because this, uh, we need to make sure that if you're on Cash App or PayPal, one of these, one of these other methods of giving, that we have your address so we know where to mail the book as we're mailing out these gifts. Uh, and that'll help us to let us know that uh, we have all your information to uh, to do that. Then also, for everybody like Brandon and others that are sewing $1,000 or more this month, uh, those of you all, all of you for the very first time, we're sending you this awesome Bible. This is the Life Application Study Bible in genuine leather, uh, the New Living Translation. Phenomenal study tool. And uh, this has been one of my favorite things now that we've gotten them. I've been using this, not only this one, which is going to Brit, by the way. Brit, if you're watching, this one's coming to you. But also, I bought it for my iPad and iPhone in the Olive Tree Bible app, which I also love. And uh, this is a phenomenal study tool. So we're going to send you that as well to say thank you. We love you guys so, so very much. And um, I'll be back again. <clears throat> thank you, Letty. Uh, I'll be back again in the morning at 10.30 a.m. as normal. Uh, what's today? Is it Monday? My watch thinks I'm working out for some reason. It started a workout. Uh, yeah, it's Monday. So tomorrow morning, Tuesday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I'll be back again. And then also tomorrow night, we're continuing Spirit of Faith sessions. I know you guys are being blessed. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for hanging out. Appreciate it and love you guys so very much. Don't forget, 
uh, we have something for your kids coming up for Resurrection Sunday, the Miracle Word Kids Easter Box. Uh, you, these are already available in the store, shop.miracleword.com. And uh, you get a t-shirt, you get a, uh, a journal, you get a slap bracelet, the Easter story, candy, and the tumbler, which is brand new uh, that you get in pink for the girls, blue for the guys, and it has our, uh, our slogan on it. The kids will love this. Uh, this is awesome. You'll love it. And so there you have it. I love you guys so much. Appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. I'll be back again in the morning as we're on the way out. If you missed it, if you missed it, one of my favorite songs by my friend, Jeremiah Yoakum, Funeral Plans. Enjoy it on the way out. I love you guys. I'll see you in the morning. Thanks, everybody. Between the pages of an old family Bible, I found dates of births, deaths, and no revivals. Then I came up on the page. It was written by people hand. He said, this is my last request, and these are my funeral plans. Oh, when I die, let me die speaking of, let it ring in my ears, all of these songs I've sung. Lord, give me the strength to praise you, speak your name one more time, and then have your angels carry me over to the other side. Run. 
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.